This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, Georgie, check for Dadsy, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. <laughs> only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms supply. See mcdonalds.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you 24-7 with supplies and solutions for every industry and access to product specialists ready to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Support for Do Not Scratch Your Eyes is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Get 20% off plus free delivery with the code YOUREYES20 at manscaped.com. At half past one, it was an announcement. Open those golden gates. Leicester City have a penalty kick in the sixth minute of injury time. Injury time, injury time. Look out, takes. Almunia saves. Look out, follows in. Almunia saves again. And now Wapner on the counter-attack. Forestieri. Oh, I don't believe this. Here's Hawk. Dini. I do not believe what I've just seen. Trondini has scored from a Leicester penalty that was saved by Almunia. Do not scratch your eyes. You're listening to the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. Our guest today, former stadium announcer, Richard Short. Good evening, Richard. How are you? Very well. Good to have us on board. Thank you, guys. It's a real pleasure to be here. Oh, mate, it's, it's an honour to have you. Uh, it, I've got to be honest, I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm going to get stuck straight into this. It's not the same without you, especially the old enjoy the game before we kick off. It was all part of the romance for me, you know, going to Vicarage Road. And I just want to say, you know, you're, you're sorely missed at Vicarage Road, generally. And I know we'll get into the finer details during this podcast, but I just want to put it out there first and foremost. Yeah, I miss it. I must admit, I do miss it. It, it gets better as, the, you know, the, the missing it gets a little bit better as the seasons go on. But I must admit, I am, I am still miss the buzz of a match day. Yeah, you know, turning up at one o'clock, you know, seeing everybody outside the ground, all the usuals, going in there and, you know, having a chat with everybody. Yeah, it's, it's a nice buzz, a real nice buzz. But so it's a shame, but as I say, we can touch on it a wee bit later on if you want, mate. Yeah, definitely. But, really, just from, from my point of view, I, I'm quite interested about you as, as the person more than, you know, what, what you were doing. How, 
How did you kind of, uh, you tell us a little bit, are you a local lad? How did you get into into the Watford thing? Just tell us a little bit about how, how it all happened. Yeah, so I'm, I was born and bred in Watford. So I was the first twin to be born in the maternity ward of Watford General Hospital back in 1969. Wow. Well, so nice. if you didn't know that. I didn't know that, um, no. And then football-wise, I, I used to live in Hagden Lane and then a, a road called Camscott Crescent, which is just around the back. And um, my uncle used to turn up every match day, wanted to go to the football park, his car and I drive and, and used to go off. I can remember this vividly. One Sunday afternoon, I was having my Sunday lunch with my family around the table and I was about five or six and I could hear the big match theme tune in the background. And I turned around and Watford won TV playing Wokenham. And I just, just watched it and thought, Dad, I want to watch this. I want to go and see Watford. Now, my dad was a West Ham supporter and I converted him into uh, a Watford supporter very, very quickly. And uh, But he wouldn't let me go. He wouldn't let me go till 1978. Right. Uh, wow. There was tears and tantrums. Um, Held you, know, you back a bit. <laughs> yeah, he did. I mean, I was, what, seven or eight when I went to the first my first game. And, of course, there was a tears and tantrums behind the sofa when my dad went off with me uncle. And uh, they used to go off and watch the game. And I used to sit at home sort of one Dad, I want to go, I want to go. And eventually he allowed me to go. And the first game was against Crewe in 1978 when Keith Mercer scored a hat-trick. And um, my dad sat me in the Shodell stand at the time. And one, one funny thing was, before I knew who Watford really were, he took me for an evening game and Watford played Brentford. And I said, come on the bees, come on the bees. And my dad said, no, 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 Richard, you've got to be going, come on your Hornets. Yeah, wrong team, yeah. <laughs> and that was, it was a magical, magical time for me to, to go in here because at the time of course GT was bringing yeah. the players and the team through the ranks because I, I started watching around about the time Watford got promoted 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 then I progressed on to the northwest uh, terracing and if those who ever stood on the northwest terracing I would apologize now for my uncle because he was the only one who had a who was allowed at the time to have a pipe he used to watch the game and you used to look behind him and there was a massive gap behind him <laughs> where all the smoke from the pipe used to go behind and people used to get away they used to hate him standing there but we used to love it it was so much it was it was just so much fun there was a camaraderie with all the players the supporters you went to the open days and in days where the players used to come around the stands and you know had your autograph book but it was fabulous and for me I since that first game in 78 I didn't miss a home game until I left what three or four years ago wow. so I, I had what 40 years I guess about 40 years of every single home. I didn't miss one home game because it was just in your, you guys were known, the supporters were known. It's in your blood. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely in your blood. And another story because um, a lot of when Watford got promoted, when it gets the whole city when we all ran across the pitch. I'm sure you got, or Wrexham, I think it was. Wrexham was the game. My next door neighbour had gone just for the experience of going. So, anyways, we had all the fun of going on the pitch. Come home and show my mum, look, there you go, mum, there's a piece of grass I've ripped up from the from the pitch <laughs> and my next door neighbour come knocking the door said look what I've got and of course at the time I'm sure you'll remember the players will go around the ground with bouquets of flowers Right. And my next door neighbour, first time she's ever been to a Watford game, comes home with a massive bouquet of flowers. And then I turn home with my mum with a little piece of vicarage. A little piece of pitch. Uh, not quite the same. <laughs> not 
Quite Those are my early memories of Watford and, you know, fabulous memories. Absolutely fabulous memories. It's it's something I can look back on with, with a lot of pleasure, watching mm. Watford through the, through the decades and watching them go through from the low leagues up and, and then watching my first away game. I mean, my first away game was... Fabulous, and you know, I was at I was at Watford Boys Grammar School, and I had to do my first test, my first proper test. It was biology. It was, you know, I think it was on a Thursday morning. And my next door neighbour, a guy called Roger Coulthorn, whose brother was Charlie Coulthorn, who, if you remember, was the ticket office manager many years ago. And he said, "How do you fancy going up and watch a game with it?" And my mum looked at me and said, "Do you realise you've got to revise for your test tomorrow?" I said, "Mum, I've done it. Don't worry about it." <laughs> and we went up to watch Nottingham Forest in the League Cup, and that's where. Watford lost 7-3 on a Wednesday night and it was a fantastic game fantastic game that was the only exam I passed I got 50% and I got a pass and that was it obviously you're a fan I mean that's been established you're a fan how did you get into the whole getting more involved in the club thing well that was when um, I used to run the Watford Hospital Radio Right. Back when I was 17, 18, 19. So I, I, did, I did a few shows and they wanted to get involved in radio. And then I got promoted, if that's a word, or voted as the chairman of Watford Hospital Radio. And I simply said, you know what? Has anybody thought about approaching Watford Football Club, you know, and doing the on-pitch announcements and providing the music? And everybody went, no, we haven't done it. Because at the time, Watford, Football, uh, Watford Hospital Radio was broadcasting to the patients from Brickridge Road with, with Pete Monroe, if you all remember rightly, in the old main stand, if you if you looked at the main stand from the pitch on the right right in the tucked in the top hand left hand corner of of the main stand, there was um, two boxes, one for mm. hospital radio and one for Radio Hornet. I approached Graham and said, Graham, how's your fancy us doing it? And Graham said, Well, look, we can't pay you. I said, We're not looking for money. Can we just have an advertising hoarding on the pitch saying hospital radio? And it was put up at, on the Ralph stand, and we'll do it free of charge. And he said, Absolutely, come in. Let's do. It. It. And I think we started that off and I started it off with a guy called Jamie Crampton and uh, a few other people. And that was effectively it. And then from that way onwards, I was there for seven or eight years doing it free of charge. And then hospital aid, they basically didn't want hospital aid to do it anymore. And they said, well, Richard, we want you to stay on. Can you do it? And I said, absolutely. And 17, 18 years later, I was still there. Was your job then sort of playing the music pre-match half-time sort of thing or was it doing the announcements as well or yeah we took it on so really the, the format of the day never really changed so really I, I would turn up at the ground quarter past one um, get inside the ground get everything turned on go and get the programs get the dedications from Viv in the reception area go up and then of course had to open the gate so at half past one it was an announcement open those golden gates <laughs> get there open up and basically between me Jamie uh, Tim Coombs um, we would just do a mixture of music and then it was it was cast really in stone around about quarter past two you would do the first announcements you would run down to the um, to the dressing room area get the team news wait for the team sheets to come up and really it was all very much uh, pedestrianised with the way we did it very tight format then at half time doing all the 50-50 draws if it's still going I'm sure they still oh, are doing the 50-50 draws yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, th- and then doing the after and just sitting around for about 10 minutes afterwards until the fans had gone home and it was very very straightforward but lots of great stories about you know the music we used to play you know when we played Luton for example me and Tim would never mention the word Luton 
I'm not then, sure if you're going to notice it. We've said our visitors. Our visitors. <laughs> our visitors. We would never, we would never ever say Luton. Oh, and then, of course, realized. when we had that match where all the um, trouble happened. Oh, the League Cup. Ga- oh, we still talk about that. Yeah. Stories about that. The, the Luton fans were held behind. Basically, we we were told that the Luton we had to stay late because the Luton fans were held back. And me and Tim just looked at each other and said, "We're just gonna, we're just gonna wind them up." Here. <laughs> and we just played Elton John songs. <laughs> <laughs> half an hour. Um, until um, until we got the message from the police control room saying, "Boys, you've had your fun now, lads. Let's turn the music off and, and let it do." But that game was was a game. Oh, it was naughty, wasn't it? I would never ever forget in my life from all the trouble going down the Met the M1 with the signs on the motorway from the trouble here till we got on the ground. I was in the tunnel area with Clark Carlisle at the time. And Clark said, "What's going on? There's a strange sort of atmosphere at the moment, Richard." I said, "Clark, Clark come." <laughs> Well, welcome to Watford versus Luton. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That. Don't, don't you know the history of that? And I was told at another game how Watford Luton is one of the hardest games to police in the UK. Never mind, you know, any other game you want to mention. It is one of the hardest games to police. Really? And I said, Clark, come with me. And I took him up the tunnel and I walked him on the pitch. I said, Carl, look at this. He went, what the hell's <laughs> going on? And at that particular time, it was really well timed. And Paddy uh, Slavin at the time, come up and said Rich we've got a bit of problem here I said come with me I walked onto the pitch with Paddy and at the time there's lots of trouble going on outside the ground as you would know there were I think mm. there were reports of greystone slabs being taken off ground yeah. people jumping over uh, the turnstiles Luton fans were jumping over the turnstiles and there was me and Paddy on the pitch between the two sets of fans and I knew one of the Watford supporters on the pitch and I said look mate you're going to need to get off this pitch soon because the horses are coming and literally me and Paddy were just literally in between the two sets of sets of supporters keeping them apart yeah so once the horses came on I got called in and the ref I got called into the referee's room and the referee said look this there was there was me I think Glenn Evans was there there was Paddy Slavin was there the two managers were there I was there and the referee said to me look I think boys we're gonna have to call this off Ooh, and I said oh, you can't do that you, you can't do that. Game off, you'll see the trouble go even worse outside. And I said, I'll tell you what we'll do. I said, we won't do any uh, upbeat announcements. We won't play Z cards. We won't do this. We won't do that. And we'll keep it very relaxed and chilled out. And the referee said, look, okay. But I said, we need to get through this 90 minutes. And I think that's where Matty Spring scored that goal. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was a game and a half you'll never forget. Never forget at all no. in my life. But um, no. so that was progressing on how I got into into Watford and, and Graham Taylor was just phenomenal at the time phenomenal and again there lots of stories I could tell you about Jim. yeah I was going to say have you, got, have you got a story about Graham that, that's sort of I've close to your heart hundreds of stories I could tell you I mean one thing Graham used to do every start of the season and my dad never forgot this before the gates would open first game of the season Graham would purposely walk around the whole of the ground shaking the hands of every single match they member of staff from a steward he would walk up to me and at the time when I started we we started to have the dancing girls so I think we're in yeah um, I remember them well yeah. it was it was in the the old supporters club on the northeast terrace if, if you yes, remember rightly yes yes Graham come up Graham I was walking with Graham he said 
what's going on here? And the girls were getting changed. And no one at the club had thought about actually giving them some modesty and actually making sure they were looked after. And he said straight away, right. And he made sure that they had their own dressing rooms. They made sure they were looked after because no one had thought about it. Mm. And then he carried on walking around all the whole of the grounds, shaking everybody's hands, the whole stewards, everybody. And for me, never forgot that. I mean, there's mm. other examples I can give you. Another example about GT, I'll be walking back from Croxy Green Station, suited and booted after a day in, day in the office or a day doing some visits. He would just pull up down the side of um, down the side of Watford Road, pull down his window, say, Rich, do you want to lift home? Wow. I said, no, I'm fine. That was the sort of guy he was, so yeah. down to earth, so chilled out. He would never have any airs or graces. For example, Watford are playing Arsenal. I was on the pitch getting ready and I'll say all right Graham how are you and then Arsene Wenger will walk across and the next thing you know 15 minutes later I'm still standing there with Arsene Wenger and Graham Taylor wow talking Graham just made you feel like you're you're part of it yeah he never he never he was never a person to say I'm Graham Taylor England manager or Watford manager I've done many events with him he was just just amazing yeah absolutely amazing guy and I'm sure all your your listeners will have stories of him and I can say without him hesitation he was a, a very good friend of mine you know not a close friend but someone you could approach and he was fantastic that's, that's awesome fantastic yeah that's awesome that's brilliant yeah i think uh it goes without saying i think graham's stature in the in the community of the town is you know second to none really him and him and him and luther blissett i think for what luther does now and has carried on that that work that Graham started so long ago. The way he run the club, the way he run the community, as I think you mentioned there or alluded to, I think with Watford going in the premiership now with all so much money, and uh, the question I would ask is, I don't think Graham would allow the club to me as so detached in my opinion he would never allow the club no, no. We, we've we've said that on this podcast that it's it's so far away from from where it, you know look don't get me wrong I, I, and I don't want to sit here and be, and be um, ne- negative about the current owners but you know because there's a lot of good that, that has happened you know with the stadium and, and, and so forth um, and the, the money that's been spent and, and whatever but you can't detach yourself from the fact of what he done for the community and what he done from the town and that's something that the Potsos love them whatever it is they, they just do not understand and they haven't got that ability to be able to, to reconnect with that and that, that's a shame that's a shame I, I think you're right I mean as I say the pot size I mean if you look at the ground as it was when I started you know back 20 years ago you had an old rickety yes. main stand which when I started watching them in 1978 was the main stand, was that's the, the, yeah. stand. they've done fantastic work you know you can't knock it but you look at for example the ex-players association we used to have so many great events with the likes of you price and everybody else getting involved yes it wasn't massively well attended but it was an opportunity to it was an opportunity for the players to still be involved it was all an opportunity for those uh, supporters to be involved and it was also a chance for the community to get involved and feel like the club was in touch with the community and I think you know if Graham was still here God bless him you know that certainly wouldn't happen and I know Luther is trying his best to try and keep everybody involved but I I really do think if we want to move forward with the club community wise especially with lots of people 
people moving into the area uh, in the coming years with all the buildings they're building yeah. in Watford at the moment. You know, there's an opportunity really to engage with people who are moving into the area by coming, you know, getting involved with the community and getting the message out there that the yeah. club is not just for Saturday afternoon. It's, it's absolutely four seven. Absolutely, yeah, we got absolutely. You, the thing is, you've got the perfect person to do that in Lufa. You know, and I, I, again, I don't, I don't want to speak out of turn, but it, it's a shame that for whatever reason, his connection with the club isn't isn't stronger and he's able to do his work under their umbrella you know it, it has to be on, on his own back and, it, and that's a shame and that's something I'm disappointed in in the ownership of the, of the club for because I think he, yeah, he, I, I, he, he's he's perfect he's an ambassador yeah I, mean, I agree with you obviously you've got Jay Demery who's fantastic he's a lovely fantastic guy, lovely guy he's in America but you want someone yeah. in the UK and, and I think for me without sounding bitter and twisted which I'm certainly not now believe me you know things move on but the club is so insular and it's mm. so very much in itself Mm. Um, and it's lost that for me it's lost that identity of you know we are a community club without a shadow yeah. of a doubt let's not knock it the Pozos I mean if we, if we think back to where we were before the Pozos took us over they've done an absolutely fantastic job but it, it's a shame where they can't just identify all the money and football and I'm sure they'll come back and say we do this we do that we do this yeah, of course they do they do and I, please don't get me wrong uh, it's a shame they can't put aside some money for someone to be a community ambassador and I'm sure they say they have a community ambassador, but who's more proactive, you know, yeah. for the fans? Who's out there and about? Who, who's, you know, Leaf is calling fans up during COVID. He's, he's all this stuff he's doing, and that should be that that should be being done under the under the club's umbrella and and it, it being recognised by the club as a community rather than as Luther Blissett. And you know, it, it's just it's a shame. And I don't want to I don't want to take up a whole podcast about no, that absolutely I could, not. But... <laughs> When you're doing those announcements, how quickly does it take you to sort of get used to your own voice sort of booming across the, the PA like that? I mean, because I think I'd be like, oh, God, I can hear myself. It's- you know what? Watford's fine. Watford's not an issue because Watford's PA system over the years hasn't been the best, but it's been good for Watford. The biggest problem you have is if you work at Wembley, right. now that system is so loud, you do get an echo about three or four seconds later. And it's only till the crowd start coming into the ground but it starts soaking up that echo. Right. But with Watford, it's not a problem. You know, Watford is is fantastic, you know, and being on that pitch in front of the rookery, mm. you know, getting that response is amazing because I remember when we played Burnley in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Stephen, Stephen Glass, Glass won. Stephen, Stephen Glass. Glass. 2003. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I was only watching it the other day, funny enough, and someone come into me, someone come up to me after the game and said, do you know what? That was the best atmosphere ever. We were engaging, we were engaging with the fans that the microphone was great sometimes the music the music and also sometimes the crowd was so loud you couldn't even hear yourself speak and I as other MCs would tell you you would have a an earpiece an earpiece in your ear we didn't have that at Watford and that's when me and Tim were so good me and Tim automatically knew when one of us was going to stop talking or one of us you know was coming to the speech or I would look up now I could be on the pitch and I would just simply turn my head and Tim would sense that and he would take it or he would pass it back I've been lucky enough to watch Jess, um, Jess Spelling on, on uh, Soccer Saturday mm. if you ever get a chance to watch him he is phenomenal he has got a camera in front of him 
four pundits to his left. He's got one earpiece with one director and he's got another earpiece with the other director giving the information about the, re- the results or the scores he's given out on the players. He is phenomenal at his job and I had to do that once at Wembley. <laughs> I had Dave Besson with me on the pitch at half-time in the cup final and I had one earpiece in, a microphone, and I'll tell you what, it's the hardest job you could ever want to do. And in an FA Cup final, like Jeff Spedding does on, on Soccer Saturday, you just can't talk. You have literally seconds to do it. And you've get, you've got countdown in one ear, someone else talking in the other ear while talking straight down to camera. Yeah. So it's really difficult to do. That's why me and Tim worked so well. We were literally just automatic, just like that. We just like knew exactly what we were doing, yeah. what, what we were doing it and what to say. It was fantastic. There's a, there's a very famous piece of footage that I've seen thousands of times um, it's of the game against Leicester semi-final <laughs> I know this one now Troy Deeney yeah. whacks that ball in and he runs to the crowd and he jumps into shirtless. the crowd shirtless as well shirtless, shirtless Troy Deeney and there's a man who's got shorty written on his jacket <laughs> <laughs> that looks remarkably like you, which yeah. I must have seen, I mean, a thousand times. You can't miss you in that clip. I mean, yeah. what do you remember that particular oh, incident? Really give us your, yeah, give us your breakdown of that. That I remember, Maybe the whole day, actually. Do you, do you remember I, the whole day? That, Let's talk about the I whole day. Yeah. vividly because the stand was literally on its last legs and we can only have a certain amount of people in that stand. As you may or may not know, the club um, had to get insurance on that and there was only a few people in there. I think at the time, that particular game, all the players were wise were there at the bottom of the stand yeah my daughter gracie and my partner natalie were came into the game and it was a beautiful sunny day i'm sure you remember gorgeously sunny day vidra scored that wonder goal wonder goal which doesn't get talked about no one gets talking about that because that was a wonder goal a wonder goal and then it got clouded and all that and then suddenly towards the end we think oh that's it we it's not going to end like this. We saw it and we went, oh my God, there's a penalty. You know, and we and everybody, we, we obviously had a camera. I was in contact uh, with TSN, the video people, and they come back and said, it's not a penalty. Yeah. It's no way a penalty. Soft, it's it? just thrown himself to yeah. the ground. What can you do about it? It pans out. And then obviously we score the goal. And as we all know, you're a diehard Watford supporter. We're all diehard Watford supporters. The emotion just completely went. I run straight down there, jumping up and down like a mad lunatic. <laughs> like an idiot I am I've seen it yeah. and I was, I was seen looking for Troy and me and Troy have had this discussion many times about that then I looked up and of course I think you remember right in the rookery end somebody had let a flare off yeah yeah, yeah. We're, tra- daughter, we're trying to track him down yeah <laughs> my daughter had seen it and because everybody was on the pitch it was chaos my daughter burst into tears at the time I mean I don't know how, how many years ago was 2013 that now? it was how many yeah. years ago? 8 years ago yeah 8 years, eight years now so she would have been only 8 years old right she was in floods of tears thinking the whole world's falling to pieces because she doesn't watch football on tv and see this happen very often mm-hmm. so that happened after the game obviously i've given the big i am and and done all the cheering got the crowd going anthony matthews wrote a piece in the Watford observer saying how how well i got the crowd going and all that and then of course i got a phone call from the club saying by the way i don't think the way you acted on the day was very professional in the way you what? were cheering the fans on and getting the fans going and i went right okay that's like contradiction with what Anthony Matthew was saying in the Observer and so it was it was sort of a situation where they wanted me to temper it down and stuff like that but that was at the time if you remember rightly I got pulled in before the start of season where I had to shout the player's name out yeah I remember this I was good I wanted to touch on this I, I, 
wanted to know if that was your idea or the club's. Absolutely not. And and I can say this as a Watford supporter. We're not the most vocal at the time. We're not the most vocal supporters. Going back to the, the late 70s, there was always this situation where we wanted a, a cover over Vicarage Road to get the noise going because the fans were never very vocal, you know, mm. not as vocal as everybody wanted it. And the club, desperate to get some noise going, desperate. And that's where, uh, obviously, the 1881 boys came involved, got the mm. drama, encouraged the noise. And they said to me, look, can we cut, Can you cut out the surname? I said, well, I will. But unless you've got a gift from <laughs> Williams at the time or a Tommy Mooney or... Or, you know, or you've got a Troy Deeney, you're not going to get the fans shouting out some you, kind of obscure you, Spanish or Italian name. Oh, I'll tell, tell you something that used to go wrong with that is at that time, if you remember, we were having so many transfers, so many players coming in. Generally, the fans were a little bit like, who is this? Yeah. yeah uh, how do I even pronounce it? I mean, uh, well, great for me. And that was the problem. It, it was great for me because, and I'm sure if Tim's listening to this, Tim would say, my pronunciation skills are not the best and to be honest with you and I'll say this to you on this podcast and I'll not said it to anybody I've only I've had this discussion only the last two weeks with my daughter my, my other half and I said whether or not I'm a little bit illiterate because me trying to pronounce certain names was a nightmare I did the England Spain game at Wembley we had a friendly there and I couldn't get hang of the Spanish pronunciations and this yeah. is me this is this is my illiteracy coming forward and it didn't do me any favors and consequently it's probably the reason why I wasn't asked to go back after seven years working there and I asked the translator I said would you mind doing the Spanish announce would you mind doing I do the England team would you mind doing the Spanish team he said yeah 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 I'll do it and of course when Wembley Stadium the FA got to hear that they said well why aren't you doing it and I went oh was that not allowed then no because <laughs> you know? I was scared stiff of making pronunciations. Yeah. Bill Leslie was telling us uh, about when he was uh, doing a, a commentary game and the Polish names what how they look even how you believe they sound are completely irrelevant to what they actually are you know it's yeah. it... that's the reason and there's another reason why Tim used to do the away, away teams yeah because yeah. Tim was so fluent he he could just take a name just like that and run with it and that's why I did the Watford home team because originally I did both teams mm. I, you know when I started I did both and I said you know what let's spread this out a little bit let's let Tim do it do the away teams basically not because I was spreading the load it's because I was downright awful pronunciations and it used to worry me no end yeah worry no end I used to the whole week before I get the team sheet or go through the squad of players getting the pronunciations right and that's mad that's, that's, yeah that's mad I mean honestly truthfully it never showed it, it... no we never noticed did you ever have any like big faux pas on the mic where you went oh I wish I hadn't said that or, yeah like a oh, you yeah. know or I've oh. done or something, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't swear. I got, two, I got a phone call the day after or two days after the game and it was from Ed Cone, funny enough, and he said to me, Richard, whatever you do, don't say that you've got this record you're playing and you had recorded it onto uh, CD. <laughs> we had the guy from the pub, uh, had it from the pub. Uh, PRS. The PRS. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were in, the, in the ground and they heard you say that you were recorded it. He said, you're not supposed to record things from no. record onto Yeah. I had that and this one, which was more to do with the lack of communication from the the club at the time, and I'll be very, very, very honest here. We had a situation where the, the players would walk out. Obviously, I, 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 you, I knew Mick at Sky Sports really well. If, you, if you've ever seen the guy on the side of the pitch with a grey beard, is the producer, a guy called Mick, a lovely guy. I made the mistake of the, 
the players were walking out really, really slow. And I went, what's going on here? And unfortunately, the club hadn't told me there was a there was a poor lad who had, uh, I think, a broken a leg or something like that or had a problem walking. They didn't tell me, you know, so I spoke to Oh, well, they were bringing out with him or? Yeah, they, they hadn't right. told me. So that was another one. But the biggest one was, you know, but to be fair, the biggest problem I had, the biggest problem of saying things was just making mistakes. The biggest problem I had was falling over. I fell over once in front of the rookery. Yeah, you imagine what the rookie was like. It was it was embarrassment beyond embarrassment. So, I mean, obviously, you aren't there anymore. You're very sadly missed, uh, as Carl said at the beginning of the podcast. Take us through, yeah, tell us why you're no longer there, really. I mean, because well, it, it was I'll never announced. Or... What happened? I'll give you the run up to what happened. We, we had a weekend of a game. I think we were playing a Spanish club, I think, on the Saturday. And we had an open day down at the Falerians on the Sunday. Tim couldn't work, which is absolutely fine. I said, look, I'll do it. No problems at all. I'll work. Even me, well, I did every game anyway, as you know. I didn't. I I did miss a game I was working at the club. Since something wasn't quite right. And I went down to the Falerians and I did the open day and nobody was literally talking to me. Literally nobody would pass a word to me. At the time, I knew a guy who used to work at Hospital Radio, a guy called Craig Kingham, who now works at Capital Radio. And he phoned me up on the Monday morning. I said, do you know what, Craig? If I get to do you know my game on Saturday, that means I'm going to be there for the next season. And I sensed something wasn't quite right. So then quarter past five, Friday before Watford start of the season at Vicarage Road, I get a missed message. I mean, what's that for? So I listen to the message. Quarter past five, it's Friday afternoon. We don't need your services from for tomorrow or in the future at Vicarage Road. Thanks very much. Bye. My missus was at work and I went, I just phoned up and said, I've had this message saying that I'm not needed anymore at Vicarage Road. Obviously, at that time, if I'll be honest with you, that one. That was, as you can imagine, you know, absolutely heartbreaking. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. heartbreaking. You know, if, if I'm honest with you, you know, I was I was on the payroll, so I, you know, I'm getting paid not a lot of money, you know, mm. a little bit of money each game, and basically, 18 years of working there on the payroll, I've basically been given the boot 5:15 on the Friday evening by a voicemail. By a voicemail, and I remember it vividly. I, I I live just off St Albans Road, and come three o'clock the Saturday afternoon, I just said to I said to my missus, "Look, I'm going to have to go out." And I walked around the hairbreaks, and I just completely burst into tears. Yeah. You know, you know, Jesus. as we all know, we're all what for some yeah, reason, yeah, you, know, yeah. you know, passionate. And I spoke to various people at the club, and that was the day that Watford got rid of Kinley. Oh, okay. Bit, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, we were going through our Billy McKinley. Okay, yeah, yeah. that's it. After, after two days or whatever it was, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and this is after having a couple of meetings with HR, saying, "Look, you realise I've been with the club on the payroll 18 years. for eighteen years, and you are sacking me overnight. What's the reason? The whole process has started about two years before." when they wanted to split the arrangements with me and Tim, and there was, I think, they reverted back to me after everybody had got involved and said they wanted me on the pitch. Um, if you've ever been to a, an open day, you know, people would come up and ask for a photo with me because also I've been there for a long time, been there for 17, 18 years. I found it a bit embarrassing that somebody wanted a photo with me. Why the hell? You know, yeah. I, I, I opened up the Enjoy the Game Facebook page, yep. which took off and was very successful. It still is very successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All I was told was, if you're going to use Enjoy 
enjoy the game or, or have a, a Facebook page, do it positively. Mm. You know, and one thing I can certainly say with my work with Watford Football Club is I've always promoted Watford to its best, and we've talked spoken on the podcast uh, with regard to Graham. I'm talking about Watford. I've always promoted Watford Football Club and the town. And again, if you want to talk to anybody, I love my town. You know, mm. if I'll be honest with you, the first two or three years. It was really, really hard. I can imagine. You know, match days. I mean, I've only been back a couple of times. I've actually said to my other half, I said, if we can get back this season, it will be great. Not to the Liverpool games, but Saturday against Burnley, just to go in and, and get back into it. That'd be lovely. But when you're going to watch every home game since 1978 and you're told, with no real reasoning behind it, that you're not allowed to go anymore, well, certainly you're not allowed to do the job you love for no more reason than, you know, some somebody doesn't really like you because you've been promoting Watford and you've made the best of it that's the way it is but yeah it's been it's been hard it's been yeah. really hard but yeah you know, it's, it's, I'm on the other side now you know would I go back do you know what I wouldn't go on the pitch I don't think I would want to go back on the pitch probably because I couldn't pronounce any of the Watford that's it yeah never mind the supporters. <laughs> but I would certainly would love to go and work in the lounge and meet some of the older players and, and do I would love but to be there's still I mean, a big call for that though I think I think there's yeah. still a huge market at that football club for you know especially the players that mean justice beams Ian Bolton you know oh. so many stories that guy's got and he's the funniest man that we could have spoke to him for all night he was brilliant literally all night we could have done you know at the end of the day even if you just take me back with regard to some kind of role with regard enough we touched on it earlier on with regard to the ex-players association I would have loved to have done that just to give something back to the club you know we all love Watford dearly we want it to succeed both on and off the pitch and that's all I want to do I, I can't disagree with that at all we're, we're all in the same boat really and and, and the, the, the funny thing is um, and I, I'm going to say it and I hope I hope this stays in the podcast even myself and Justin we've, we've experienced the cold shoulder of, of the football club and, and, and what that has to offer and it's not a nice place to be and all we're trying to do we're not trying to belittle anyone or, or put anyone nose, noses out of joint we're just trying to we're just two guys talking about the club we love Absolutely. our opinions and that is all it is it's our opinions on the football club that we love nothing more Yeah, we've got I mean, a platform I give you that we yeah. you know we could we could, but we're not we're, it's just us I mean I can remember I mean I appreciate that you can look at it in two ways. Yes, the co- the company is now a big business. Football is a big Huge. business. It's Huge. a company and it's got money to make. You could talk about football in general, how all these football clubs could have gone under during COVID, but they mm. don't. Other companies outside of football have because they haven't got the money. Football clubs are a strange phenomenon. They never go under because there's always support for them from the fans. Now, I remember when GT was there and I used to go to the football club, you know, on a Friday afternoon and I used to go in the office and I'll just go around and having a chat with people and they used to love it sitting around there having a chat talking to people and lots of people just turn up and just can I just come in yeah just come in GTSA just come in have a talk I can't have I can't speak to you long but mm. come in but I do appreciate there is a footballing side of things and, of you know, and the club is a big beast now it's a big business it's what Sky give them 120 million pound a, a yeah season. of course but there's you enough there's enough money there's enough money there to, to be yeah. and you, as you said just set aside a whatever it is you know a, a, a small a small area for for like-minded people like-minded fans to to 
just be involved and and you know if they want to if they want to be and, and at the end of the day yourself doing the job that you do myself and justin other you know other podcasts that are that are out there with watford 1881 or you know all of them from the rookery they all put their heads on the block to to say their opinions you know the difference i find is that between me and justin we won't sit on the fence if it's crap and not right call it out. and wrong we'll call it you've got you've got to and you've got to it. and that and that's what that's the that's the beauty of being a football supporter and being a Watford fan because we can call it you're absolutely right because I think I think sometimes I mean you've got other supporter groups who are supported by staff within the club yeah and but at the end of the day in business you can't just live in your own bubble when I used to supply for example the House of Commons in my daytime job and they lived in a bubble they they lived in the bubble where they don't see what's going on in the outside world. And I think sometimes this is what happens with Watford. They live in a bubble mm. where they think everything's right or their way is right. And 99% of the time it is right. You yeah. know, you've got to give them, you know, the photos have done 100%. fantastic. But they've also got to understand that as fans, let's not disengage with them. Let's actually get them involved. Because at the end of the day, our heart is in the right place. My heart's in the right place. And it's yeah. taken me a long time to get back to speaking to you guys this is my first sort of discussion with anybody since that fateful phone call a few years ago Mm. but we all love our club and we all Mm. want the best for our club yes you go on forums and you see people having a good old bitch and moan about (laughs) other fans but that happens in the ground anyway of course but at the end of the day 99.9% of the fans who are on these forums or turn up to Vicarage Road or like me did 72 grounds in my time supporting Watford love Watford Mm. and you know unfortunately people get jealous of other people's strengths and other people's wanting to, to be a part of the club and they just cast you aside you know it's a real shame that they can't embrace people like yourselves and say yeah come in let's have a chat yeah. let's have a talk about our club because at the end of the day it's our club yeah yeah, yeah. well the other That's thing so is great. as well Richard is it'll still be my club long after any other oh, administrations have gone so or ne- you know kids. We, we may have kids we may not have kids I've I've got you know a 15 year old who wants to go to watch Watford mm. and when I'm dead and gone she'll still be supporting Watford yeah. and I'm sure the majority majority of people on the board will not be there exactly. and we've got to make sure we protect it because before the Pozos we nearly lost it and thank God yeah. for the Pozos Absolutely. who rescued our club and brought it forward but like in business business can't always be right you can come in and change it a bit like a manager you can have a manager coming in and suddenly you know or a Steve Highway if you remember Steve Highway the super stub he would come on and make a massive difference but you can't always do it You've also got to listen to the posers have to say, yeah, we've done a great job, but I tell you what, what else do we have to do? Yeah. We always can't always be right. Mm-hmm. And who else can we talk to? Let's speak, yeah, let's speak to Carl, let's speak to Justin, let's get their opinion on it. Yeah. Let's speak to Richard and see what's going on. It may all be rubbish, but you know what? At least you're opening your arms to everybody and coming in, say, come inside. We're just fans with opinions, rightly or wrongly. We're entitled to them. And, you know, it's our club. You just said that. And that's a massive part of what why we started this and, and I'm really passionate about that and, and to yeah. talk to you, to talk to you honestly is is brilliant 
because it, it's it's somebody that that has been there, done it, seen behind the scenes, felt oh. it, smelt it, and then I'll say it, cast out by it, and and that's 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 got to be that's that's a bit of pill to swallow, and you know yeah. I doff I doff the cap with where that's concerned. Well, I really my memories, do. my memories, my good memories are outweigh everything. I mean, I yeah, could sit here for three or four hours, ten your memories of in the dressing room with Tommy Mooney and Gifton Noel Williams, Robert Page. I could tell you loads of stories, you know, and it, I've had eighteen. I had 18 fantastic years as a result of working at Watford I got to work at Wembley Stadium courtesy of Ed Cohn I got to meet one of the nicest best managers the world has ever had and that's not just because I'm a Watford supporter I think we all focus on the negative side of things Mm. you know the football club over the last how old am I now 52 the last 45 years has given me 42 fantastic years three years of negativity but I'm still a diehard Watford supporter with the tattoo and a daughter who loves Watford as well and you know that's what it's all about at the end of the day that's absolutely it and you know opinions will vary opinions will always be different and in fact we have opinions of players one week that are completely different than next they have a a bad game we call it out say how's he playing for us the next week he scores a goal he's the best thing ever that's that's, that's the nature of being a football fan it's a fickle thing yeah but that's football isn't it I wouldn't want to support any other club just because we've had we've had all the playoff finals we've had all the relegations we've had all the managers you know the revolving door scenario <laughs> you know we've had all the great players you know I can remember standing on the northwest terrace Andy will get the ball and everybody just went yeah got the ball. yeah <laughs> <laughs> where else would you get where else would you get a scenario like that I mean I'm very close friends with Ian Richardson and yeah. watching a video back of the Kansas lighting game when he scored two goals in his debut I mean how many people can say I've got that in my memory bank and my, my my sisters were very jealous of me going to watch Watford. Very jealous, you know, when I was six, seven, eight, nine, and they decided to beg my dad to take take us all. And I'm not sure if you remember that was when Watford played Nottingham Forest in the League Cup. I think it was the quarterfinals. It was one of the coldest nights ever. Shilton <laughs> had to kick the straw. We had straw on the pitch. <laughs> My sisters came in, didn't even smoke everywhere because obviously you could smoke these days. And after about five minutes of being in the ground, not five minutes of the game being played, my sisters, three of them, were sat on the terraces, shivering, literally crying with pain for the cold. They never turned up again. They don't think they realise the passion the fans go through to yeah. watch their team yeah. in the freezing cold. And that was a night, another night I would never forget. Right, so the first one comes from a guy called Tom Holly, and he's put, um, why were you replaced? Emma is doing a great job, but for a year or so, the energy from the matchday announcer dropped off a cliff. Thank you for injecting so much energy into the matchday experience, especially when things weren't going so well on the pitch. It's not really a question, but more of a more of a comment. Yeah, there, I mean, but... Emma's, Emma's fantastic, and we're, we're very lucky that the club seems to nurture guys behind the mic who, who can do a really sturdy job, and she's she's done a fantastic job. Answer to the question, I honestly don't know. I mean, as I say, a little bit of the greed eye monster coming from inside the club, that's probably what it is. As I say, not everybody can have, you know, no job is for life at the end of the day. I would love to go back just once on the pitch, just before the game and go enjoy the game. Oh, you know, oh. I, I don't think that's ever going to happen. That'd be great. But I had 17, 18 absolutely fantastic years with some many friends who I still see now, you know, the likes of Richard Lee, Lloyd Doyley, you know, 
Alec Chamberlain. I still communicate with a lot of them. I mean, we were very lucky enough during the pandemic. I could I could call upon many people to do video messages for uh, for the fans to listen to while they're at home. You know, Jay Demerit, Richard Johnson, a fantastic one from Ross Jenkins, Keith Mercer, all sending messages. And that just shows what fantastic club we've got. Second question, actually, it's a bit more of a personal one, comes from Peter. Yep. And he's put... Um, hope your mum is okay. I heard she had a fall recently. She lives opposite um, his mum and they're good friends. Yeah, my mum had a, quite a nasty fall over the weekend and she's a lot better now. But again, it's about the family. Also, my dad used to watch Watford all the time. I mean, he went every game with me. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, my dad sadly passed away three years ago and is a big loss. And family is a big thing. My mum is a massive thing in my fa- you know, for me and my family, as is my dad. And, you know, we go back to Watford. Watford family is a massive thing and we need to look after that family. But thank you for asking after her. She's a lot better now. Thank you very much. Brilliant. I think that question just sums up what we've been talking about, really, doesn't it, about the community and the yeah. club? Yeah, we're a, big, we're a big family. Let's make yeah. sure we keep that family all inclusive for everybody. That's good. I have um, I have found that question, Carl. It's, oh, you got it, yeah? Yeah, it's from Gary O'Brien, and he asks, who was the most belligerent Watford player you have met? <laughs> belligerent? Yeah. Yeah, was there any that didn't sort of sit into the mould that you can remember that were kind of like... I'd probably go back... I mean, if I had to have a guess, it would probably be during the Viali kind of years, Well, I, I suppose. I'll, I'll be honest with you, if you want to talk about belligerent, you would talk Viali. I mean, Viali, really? I mean, I could tell you a story about how we had a pre-season friendly down at Norfolk Football Club, and he would just turn up with his in his chauffeur-driven car, turn up for 20 minutes, and then just go home. Hmm. You know, and the fans had come to see him him solely and I don't think it was his personality I don't think he got what Watford is all about and it and and I think this goes back to you know the club as it is now I don't think he got what the community feel was about the club I mean I remember the day he was appointed I was at the club and I was talking to the directors you know Hai Gunjun and the stuff like that they were actually beside themselves we've got we've got him we've got him hindsight is a wonderful Mm. thing you know, and then I think after that, Ray Lewington came very soon afterwards with Ray Wilkins. And he was a breath of fresh air because we had another open day down at the training centre. And Ray would sit with everybody. He would talk to you. The directors at the time, I think everybody talks about Viali and doesn't like. I just don't think he was the right person for the job. It's not him. Mm. I think it was the directors at the time who got the wrong person. They yeah. wanted a named manager. And I'll be honest with you, the wages he was on, you know, it it crucified the club. Yeah. So yeah. I've never known a player not to be approachable. I mean, Paul Robinson, going the opposite way, was just a madman. Absolute <laughs> madman. I mean, I spoke to him about this recently. I mean, I would, I would be standing, looking at the rookery, introducing the players and he wouldn't do it once he wouldn't do it twice he'd do it three times he'd walk behind me and he'd grab his hand between my legs <laughs> I'm talking on the microphone but he was do you know what he's just such a nice I've never known anybody to be they've always really got to know me and really everybody was fantastic at the club everybody right absolutely everybody that's good to know that's good to that know that is good to know right next one comes from Alan Knight and this is the events industry has been crushed through the pandemic. How much are you looking forward to things like the Croxley Rebels when it eventually returns? <laughs> 
Yeah, it's affected me to be honest with you because I used to do I I done the Croxy Revels. If people know live locally, there's an event on the green in Croxy Green every year. And since I worked at Watford Hospital Radio, I've been lucky enough to uh, host that event. It's nearly 27, 28 years I've hosted that event. It's not so much for me. Yes, I get paid for it. It's it's all again we talk about community. The community hasn't got together in eight you know eighteen months, two years. I do a lot of work for the the Revels. I do a lot of work for a lot of leisure companies where I, I get paid to, to MC events and I miss it I'm do you know what? I think we, we all miss that camaraderie of going out talking to people and engaging with people whether or not we get back to that again I don't know but certainly I miss the Rebels the Rebels if you ever get a chance to go with your kids it's just a fantastic local event which is run by locals for locals we go back to our original discussion about yeah. the football club for locals and it's always a massive success always 25 30,000 people walking through that event during four hours it's amazing I think I'm right in saying that it's the oldest village fate or or event in England I think yes in the country it's no question at all it's the oldest village fate in the country yeah. been going hundreds of years we do the maypole dance and everything like that it's just a lovely feel about it it's all volunteers no one does it for money it's all just because they love it that is what life's about but we all miss that engagement don't we we all miss that handshake and give everybody a hug we all miss that sort of you know meeting with people and it's hope that come the coming season we can all get to back together in the Vic That'd Fingers crossed. Yeah, that Fingers crossed. Well, that, that leads nicely onto the last question from, from Paul McNamara. And he's put, um, are you going to games? And this, prob- this second bit probably comes from 99.9% of all Watford fans. <laughs> and, and they're certainly here. Uh, can we buy you a beer sometime? Absolutely, yes, you can. But I don't drink, so it'll have to be a Coke. A Coke. That's I've, absolutely I've give, fine. I've given up. I gave up drinking many years ago. I actually said to the missus, I want to get back to the bit. I want to get in. It's been a really hard two or three years. People may think it's strange for me to say, I don't want to go and watch my my team. I've been, inv- I've been involved with my Facebook page. But if you've been doing a job for nearly 20 years and someone else mm. is doing it and you can hear it and it's sort of in your face, mm. you know what I mean? It's, it's not like I was a catering manager serving burgers or yeah. I was in the Hornet shop serving shirts to people. You can see people doing the job I love mm. so much. And when someone's taken the job over, which to be fair, I would still be doing it now if I had the opportunity to do so. It was so, it's so hard to go back. But yeah. now I said to me, half I said look I think time is right I don't want to go in there for the big games and take the ability of having someone else go and watch the game with me having two or three tickets I want to go to a game where maybe just maybe there's a few spare tickets and I can go and watch it have you got season ticket or not you haven't got no I've got a fan ID which I haven't, okay. I haven't used um, so I'm not going to be a person who's going to go cap in hand and say can I have some tickets because I'm who I am I'll go and join the back of the queue like everybody else and get a ticket when I can but I definitely will be going back and my daughter's Good. desperate to go and you know my, my partner is a long life Watford supporter who was supporting Watford back when she was five or six and we actually met through Watford Football Club. We've been together nearly 18 years wow. and she's a diehard Watford supporter, literally diehard Watford supporter like me. Do you know what I just can't wait for the fans to get back all those fans and over the last 18 months I've read posts on, on Facebook, not just my own but on other forums about how much the fans love seeing their team and I can't imagine how it's been hard for all the fans who are as passionate as I have. And I've not been as passionate the last three or four years as I've been running up to it. But all the fans are going week in, week out. We're going to support mm. their 
their club on on their travels, who have not been into the ground for 18 months, two years. It must be so hard. So I just yeah. can't, on behalf of all the fans who are diehard, I just can't wait for them to get back in the ground and, and relive that atmosphere of a home game at the Vic. It, it can't wait for them to get back. And good luck to them when they do get back in the ground. Hi, everybody. This is Ian Bolton. And I'm proud to be on uh, Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. Listen, we've taken up a lot of your time. I really, really appreciate it. So I apologise. No, 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 it's been awesome, mate. Really Honestly, appreciate brilliant. you coming on, Richard. Thank you very much for your time. Bless you guys. You take care of yourselves. Thank you, Richard. God bless you, mate. Take care, mate. Ta-da. Cheers, Bye. Get 20% off and free delivery with the code YOURIS20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free delivery at manscaped.com. And use the code YOURIS20. Your balls will thank you. Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? <whistles> At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.